the coaches network bringing the game together in, in different sports there's different models that people follow you know where they have you know maybe the four corners where they talk about tactical technical physical and psychological or emotional right mm-hmm. um and for me the emotional and psychological is really not a corner it's more of an umbrella that covers all of them the coaches network bringing the game together hey guys you're now listening to the coaches network a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together my name is Coach Yas, a performance coach, content creator and founder of the Coaches Network. And today's episode is going to be part of our how-to series, where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests, break down some actionable how-to steps to help you reach your full potential. Enjoy. Right guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. Today I've got a very special guest with me. I've got a former Olympic athlete and currently a doctor in sports psychology, Christina Fink. Good evening or good morning, whichever it is for you, Christina. How, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Brilliant. You know, thanks for taking the time out being with us. Um, Christina, just a quick one for those of that you know that aren't familiar with yourself or your work. Um, would you mind just giving a brief breakdown of who you are, what you do, and how you've got to where you are now? <laughs> sure. Uh, so I am a performance psychologist. I, um, Like you said, I am a former Olympian. I competed in the 1988 and 92 Olympic Games. And after, after doing that, I went on to get a master's and a PhD in performance psychology. Um, have worked over 30 years <laughs> uh, with sports psychology and performance psychology. Worked in, I'm originally from Mexico, so I worked in, in Mexico with um, different, three different Olympic teams and then uh, with uh, football quite a bit. Worked with uh, Chivas uh, and Pumas in Mexico, and then moved to the U.S. and have worked with uh, some of the different Olympic Olympic uh, organizations here, uh, with teaching and traveling with U.S. track and field, giving some seminars for uh, U.S. archery and U.S. rowing, and then now working at Rowan University, have worked with the MLS for quite a bit, and I am the performance. Um, consultant for ECNL, which is a soccer club uh, organization here in the U.S., and then for the Football Science Institute. Brilliant. Um, so, obviously, Christina, I've got you here today. You know, we're going to look at hopefully exploring a little bit about your personal journey as an Olympic athlete, but more so, you know, what it takes to get the best out of an, uh, an athlete at an elite level, um, and hopefully, you know, lean on some of the examples and some of the suggestions you have to kind of have for our listeners that may potentially imp- implement within their own work so just you know before we kind of delve really deep into that what does it look like from your perspective in terms of getting the best out of an athlete what what, what is what is the best you know you know i know that we spoke <laughs> in the past around um and not just being the technical and tactical uh, elements but also the psychological aspects of things would you mind just um, speaking to that a little bit sure so um Whenever, whenever I give a, a presentation or I talk to, to people about about this, we we come to the conclusion in different in different sports, there's different models that people follow. You know where they have you know maybe the four corners where they talk about tactical, technical, physical, and psychological or emotional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the 
emotional and psychological is really not a corner. It's more of an umbrella that covers all of them. And not because it's what I do, but it's because we cannot take the psychological or emotional part out of anything that we do. And so for me, that encompasses everything. So when you are training an athlete, you have to take into account, you need to consider, you know, their culture, their culture, their well-being, you know, everything that's going on around them so and, and, and within them so that you can actually help them perform at their best. Because otherwise, you're probably going to, I mean, there are athletes that can compartmentalize quite well, but then you probably are not getting the best out of that athlete. And, and they're not getting the best out of the experience, which is also something that you want. Because we want these um, sports can change lives, and I wanted to change lives in a very positive way. <laughs> mm. just, just on that, then, when we're looking at the, you know, the emotional um, and psychological states of the of, of athletes or you know the people within the environments what are some of the things or key considerations that we need to think about um so the 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 first one that i work with is awareness so so how aware are you of what you of what you need to do because if if the athlete is not aware or the coach is not aware of of what needs to happen then it's going to be very difficult to move forward or, or, or change a behavior. You can't change something that you're not aware of. Mm. So the first thing that you need is, is actually awareness, right? So what is happening and when, when are these things happening? And I'll give you an example. I was working with a, 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 an Olympic uh, diver who came into my office and he had been to the Olympics a couple of times and is now in a, in a position where he could be a medal contender and we're talking and he says, I want you to help me take the butt out of my training. And I was, I, I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, whenever the coach is giving me feedback, I say, yes, but, or no, but, you know, like almost like justifying what he was doing. And so he said, I want to take that out of my training so that I can actually listen to the feedback that the coach is giving me. And for me, that was, you know, I, I said, well, you've done half of the work already because you're aware of it. <laughs> so now we can actually, you know, the fact that you're aware that you're doing that, now we can actually do things to change that behavior. So why do you defend yourself or why do you say, but, I mean, why is the coach giving you that feedback? Is he giving you that feedback to hurt you or to help you? And so we had a whole conversation about, you know, how it's, it's usually very helpful feedback. And so you don't need to get defensive. And, and so we came up with different strategies for him to be able to modify his behavior once, you know, but he had to be aware of that behavior before we could change it. Mm. No, it's quite, quite interesting because, you know, I, I always say to, you know, the players that I work with or the, you know, in, in my sport, awareness is the most important thing. <laughs> well, I agree Which with you. <laughs> Hundred percent, because the, 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 what I often say is, if, you, if you're not aware, then how can you solve the problem that might exist if you don't know the problem is there? And you know, half half the work, like you said, is done if you can identify the problem is there. Because once you've identified the problem is there, now we can just you know explore solutions and I guess uh, remedies to kind of r- rectify those things. Um, without that exposure and that awareness, we, we, we you know we're just chasing our tails to an extent. So I guess, you know, from that perspective, in terms of raising awareness, obviously that that example you've given there, you've got an athlete who's, um, you know, not, not 100% sure how they've got to that stage, but they've got to the stage where they've become aware of an issue that might be uh, impacting on their performance and their development. How do we support 
or how do we get to the stage where we can help support athletes or just people in general in terms of becoming more aware, especially when they may have, uh, I guess, what could be considered a fixed mindset. Right. And so, and so part of that is actually explaining, you know, that fixed mindset of, you know, what's the difference between having a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And basically it's, if you have a fixed mindset, you want to defend what you have. If you have a growth mindset, you actually want to explore and learn and grow. Right. And so uh, that's a very simplistic explanation for that, but, you know, just kind of trying to get to that. And so there's different things that you can use, um, uh, for for getting the athletes to that level. Uh, one of the things that I use uh, quite often is one of the advantages that we have now with technology is that we have, you know, these phones that we can film people, you know, doing different things. And so, um, so actually using, you know, using watching yourself doing things, I think is, is something that's very helpful. So uh, especially at the, you know, at the highest level, one of the things that we do is, um, you know, they, they watch film constantly. So one of the things that I say instead of, and I talk to coaches quite a bit about this because working with football, you know, and, and, and we're talking about Olympics here, but, you know, one of the sports that I work with was football, you know, women's football national team from Mexico when they went to the Olympics in 2004. And one of the things that we did was actually talk about film and instead of the coach sitting in the front saying okay we're going to watch film and these are the things that you did well and these are the things we actually did an exercise where where the players needed to come in with two clips from the last game so they had access to this and so they had to come in with two clips and they started asking a lot of questions like do they have to be clips where we did well do they have to be clips where we did poorly like and and the first time that we did it we didn't give any more information we just said you need to come up with two clips from the game that involve you right and so um and so it was very interesting to see it gave us a lot of information and to to see did they choose clips where they did really well did they choose clips where they made mistakes did they choose clips that were very obvious of what they needed mm. to do or, you know, I mean, and so that gave us some information, you know, like the staff, they gave us some information, not only, and, and not, not prejudging or saying, oh, of course, this athlete's going to bring this, you know, I, I, it just gave us information to, okay, this is what they're looking at, right? And so now how do we go in to give them feedback onto what it is that they need to do and what they need to become aware of? And when we give that information, how do we want to give it, you know? And so when they came in with their clips, with their two clips, we're like, oh, okay. And so why did you choose these two clips? And then you get the athlete who, you know, it's like, I, I need to do better. And this is, and, and, and some that had actually done well, and it was actually a good pass, but the other person re didn't read it well, you know? And so, so are they really hard on themselves? Are they, are they, are they actually putting someone else, you know, are they blaming someone else? Like who, wh what's happening? And so having those really uh, open conversations where, where it's not emotional, you're not attacking, you're just, you're just looking at some film and giving some feedback, but they bring it in. So they start with that. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful. And that's something that I use whenever I can, when there's the availability for film and for, for that. Definitely, okay. it really resonates with me. Um, so one of the things I do, I actually work as a coach educator, so I deliver on some of the national governing body um, qualifications, with, more specifically within the grassroots community. And 
it's similar to you know when I'm off part of part of my work is obviously observing the coaches in action uh, looking at the delivery of their sessions and whatnot and I usually tend to start the post delivery reflection process with them doing the bulk of the work them coming up with their own reflections and then that helps him you know it's all well and good me giving them feedback but I find it more helpful for myself and for them if they if we understand where their perspective is at first yeah are they even considering the same things that I'm looking at and if they are that's fantastic we're on you know we're, we're, on, we're on the right track so then at that point it might just be me maybe providing a bit more context and delving in, uh, into a bit of the finer detail around what it is that we've observed um, however equally if they're not I guess in an alignment with my thought process or my perspective of things um, it's not necessarily negative it just it just gives me more information to work with and understand that where their point a is might be different to where I initially hoped it would be or or wanted it to be in that respect um, and on that on that note then it, how, how, how do we kind of you know you've talked there about giving some ownership I guess to those athletes in terms of bringing that back in off the back of that how do we now try and create a habit for that sort of process to kind of you know go forth with so that was so so that's something that it's not a one and you're done <laughs> and so yeah. and so and and i like the fact that you're saying you know you need to start with getting information from them to see how you can actually help and and how do you get from point a to b when when sometimes they're trying to get to z <laughs> or does that right yeah. and so and so that's where we need to make sure that we're speaking the same language and and that's where you're getting some clarification so it's it's what are some of the, so when somebody talks to me about your decision-making needs to be better, I want to know what you mean by decision-making. Um, yeah. I want to know what you mean by good communication. I had a coach who would just say, I don't care what you say. Just, I just want to hear your voice. And I was like, uh, maybe not the right information to give because you don't want to just have somebody yelling. You actually want them to give the right information. And so I had an, a, a, a player, a young player, now that you talk about you know, grassroots. And I had a young player say, coach wants me to talk more, but I don't know what to say. Mm. So that for me was a really good starting point of saying, okay, so here are some of the things that you can say when you're in the game. And so then we need to train those things, right? Because you can't expect to make this a habit if you're not training it and if you're not incorporated into training. So one of the things that we would do is okay, this is what we mean. And then at times in different, you know, different sports and different sessions, there, there are times when you stop and you say, this is what I mean, because a lot of times coaches stop when something's going wrong. And I really encourage coaches to stop when something's going really well, not for a really long time, yeah. but just to say, stop, freeze. Now look at where you are, look at what you're doing, look at how well that went keep going, you know, because then you want yeah. them to create that habit of, oh, okay, this is what we're talking about. Um, I can tell you in that process, and I've used this with several different teams, I, I've seen it work every time where more and more uh, the athlete has more ownership and they become more, more aware and they want more information. And rather than having to yeah. sit through a video session where I might not even appear, you know, now I have ownership and I know that I can do this. And I'm way more willing to take in the feedback because the feedback is actually seen as something that's helping me rather than you getting even hurting me. Definitely. I think, you know, just again, as you, as you talk through, essentially 
you know, that positive reinforcement. Now, I think the one challenge we have in this interest, and I was having this conversation the other day with a few coaches and around that moment where you step in and stop something, uh, you know, in, in a training session or in some cases where you might follow it up with a bit of, you know, a little bit of a Q&A session and try and delve deeper and understand why or what a player has tried to do or an athlete has tried to achieve within a certain action often gets, you know, initially met with a, uh, a negative outlook. Mm-hmm. The moment you stop it, it's almost like, oh no, we must have done something wrong. Cause that, you know, the, I guess the, over time we've, you know, we've been conditioned to, as I guess, I think it's just sports people in general, that if we've been stopped from doing something, it's because we haven't done it right. Um, but I, I totally agree. You know, if you can stop it on moments where they've done it well and possibly reinforce and highlight those positive things that have taken place, it's always an opportunity for them to, you know, really ingrain those actions at, and into habits, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, just to kind of build on that then, what would you say to those coaches who are reluctant to stop it because of, you know, because of the negative connotations it could, you know, have attached to it? So, so um, there is a negative connotation because they're used to you stopping it only when there's something going wrong, you know, when, when they've done something wrong. So the first couple of Mm -hmm. times that they stop it, that's probably what they're going to feel. But when you start changing your own behavior, because you become aware of it, then you're actually being an example to them as to why you're doing this and how you can change it. And if they see that you as a coach are willing to change and make it better, then they're going to be more willing to change and make it better as well. Um, and just on that then, how important is it that as a coach, you, uh, I guess, make a declaration that this is the, I guess, this is the type of behavior that you want to kind of move forward with in, in the way that you coach or can it be done implicitly? I, you can do both. I, I find that it works better when you actually let them know, because now you take away that, that when you stop, oh, here we go. They're going to get yelled at, you know, now, if I know that you might stop us to, to recognize something that we're doing well, I'm like actually more open to listening to what you have to say, because I don't have mm-hmm. to put up my defense wall to justify what Definitely. I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand where you're coming from with that one. You know, again, it just reminds me about so many conversations I've had with other coaches around the, you know, that positive reinforcement piece. You know, just to kind of bring things back to the topic a little bit. You know, so we're talking about athletes now in particular, um, and I guess you know, in some ways, trying to shift their mindset to a more to a more growth mindset and see the benefits of the different, uh, you know, interactions and interventions we can have as coaches. What would you say is from your experience, a great way to really start to, you know, build that trust with the players, you know, or the athlete in this case, you know, we talked to, you mentioned earlier, you know, it's a great, it's a great place to start in terms of trying to obtain that information from the individual, mm-hmm. just so that you, you know, where to, you know, where's the best place to, or where's the best perspective to come from when you're actually not dealing with this particular athlete or group of athletes. What, what you know, have you got any any suggestions or advice as to what that process should look like in terms of those initial discussions? Right. And so those initial discussions need to be, and, and, and there's a difference when you t- think about individual sports and, uh, and team sports. In an individual sport, the coach is usually an ally who is helping you achieve this result <laughs> to be able to get to compete at the highest level. In team sports, mm-hmm. sometimes the coach has like that power to do you play or not. So even if you're performing at your best, he might not choose you. So you might be on the bench or not even make the team, right? So 
So there's a definite difference between individual and team sports in that sense. Um, and then, you know, because of like that position of power. Um, and then in both of them, you have to make sure that, you know, uh, why do you trust someone? You know, if, if they're giving you, if, if somebody, you know, you start working with someone and, and you trust this person to help you in your process. And sometimes you trust them, you know, like you just trust them. You know, you come in and somebody told you this is a great coach and you just trust that, you know, because somebody told you and they have a, a, a record of, of X amount of medals or, you know, some results or um, ultimately this coach is going to have to make an effort to connect with a person that they have in front of them. Um, I've had mm. so many athletes in, you know, different, different, uh, especially in track and field, uh, where when the athlete is injured in soccer, in, in football as well, where, where the athlete is injured, uh, the coach doesn't give them the time of day. And then the athlete recognizes that to you, I'm just a pair of legs. So, so uh, do you actually care about the person? Do you actually have a relationship with that person? How are you building that relationship so that when you need to give information that might be difficult to give, you know, like when you're giving developmental feedback where you're pushing because you are trying to get to that next level, how do you, what have you done to establish that trust for them to actually want to talk to you, right? And to actually want to listen to you. And so for me is, is it, do you, do you, have you created that sense of, uh, of, of trust? So there's a, a level of care or intimacy, you know, there's a level of care. You actually have to, to know what you're talking about and you have to be consistent. So if, if you say, this is what we're going to do, then we consistently do that, right? It, you're not changing it. And so are you reliable? Are you consistent? Those are the things that that enable people to trust you. And so if you're consistent and reliable and you show that you care, I'm gonna trust you. Definitely, and you know, obviously as an athlete, you know, you obviously talk there about subtle differences between you know, being as part of an individual sport. Um, and then obviously you've been in the team sport now, you know, it, it, you're, You've got many people against you in a, in in a, in a sense. You know, obviously you're on the same team, but they technically speaking, they could still be taking your place out of the team at any point. So, you know, having as a as a coach, I guess, you know, looking to get the best out of those athletes, how important is it that you want you know you talk to those things or you you know you highlight those things around the the importance of being in a team as well as building yourself as an individual if that makes right sense. And, and that's where you're trying to create an environment where everybody is competing and everybody's competing to be better not to beat someone else mm. <laughs> and okay that's, and i think you know simply putting it putting it simply but this you know there i think there is always going to be that element of yes we're competing we can also see each other as threats in some in some, in some uh i guess some cases Absolutely. And I mean, for example, I've worked uh, one of one of my uh, I, I work uh, extensively with the goalkeeping coaches. And I think that they have, especially when you get to the higher levels, you know, in the younger levels, you know, you usually, you know, they play one game in one game or half a game or half a game. But as you keep progressing and you get to the higher levels, now you have um, somebody who's not playing at all and who needs to be ready to be able to jump in 
if the starting goalie gets injured, if they get a red card, if, you know, if there's any kind of situation like that, which is the only way that you're going to come in, right? And so, so the fact that these coaches are able to get the most out of the second and third goalie in training and keeping them engaged and keeping them, and that's where they have to be focusing on, on how do you get better and how do you get that opportunity, right? And then how do, how do I make sure that when they do get that opportunity, they're ready for it? And so they're actually taking into mm-hmm. account you know, making some of the training sessions pretty stressful, asking, how are you feeling? Are you frustrated? What do you do when you're frustrated? How do you handle it? You know, all of these different things. And I'm not talking about, you know, coaches talking for an hour during a training session. It's just quick interventions where you're actually recognizing emotions. You're not just saying, you know, oh, good job with that. It's like, good, good job getting over that. I could see that you were frustrated and you did well in this next exercise. So I can, I can tell that you manage that well, you know? So just making those little recognitions goes a long way. You know, really, you know, if you strip it all back, all you're really saying there is just, just make sure you're paying yeah. attention. <laughs> and, but, but make sure that <laughs> yeah. you're paying attention and that you're recognizing it, you know, that you're saying these things, that you're not yeah. just saying, I had, uh, I've had several times when I mic up a coach and I had a coach that in 30 minutes said, good job, 47 times. Um, that's not helpful <laughs> because. <laughs> Again, no, I think you make a great point that, you know, when I'm speaking to certain coaches and, you know, and, and I hear terms like good job or well done, I always follow up, you know, I always, you know, maybe probe a little bit deeper. What, what, what part of what just happened was it was a good job or what part of what just happened right. was well done? You know, be a bit more vocal, be a bit more specific about those parts because then, for the for the players, and you know, just for just for people in general, you know, I I would go as far as saying, if you now are specific about what they've done well or what they, um, or maybe what part wasn't quite well in, in you know if if it's something in an area for development, um, supposedly, then it gives a reference point. Yep. So if I know now, okay, I've I, you know I've done, I've now struck the ball into the back of the net, um. And the coach then turns around and says, "Well done," as opposed to the coach then turning around and saying, "Well done." I love the way that you got your, you know, the first touch out your feet. I can now have that as a reference and say, "Okay, that was a really good thing I did in terms of getting the ball out of my feet." So, going forward, I'm going to look to try and recreate that moment. Absolutely, that and that, and, and and now I have information that I can actually put to use. And so now, like you say, exactly, and, and yeah. now I'm, I'm, I'm actually internalizing that. And now I want to do that more. Mm. And so, and that's what we want. So just, just on that then, we're talking about maybe outwardly mm-hmm. praising there. How effective or how useful could it be? Or if even, which could be more effective? Going down that route where we outwardly praise or going down the route of potentially... Uh, you know, a brief Q&A where you help the player to understand what they've actually done well, maybe by asking, you know, obviously that that action. So let's, you know, we take the same example as, in, for instance, where the ball's been, you know, touched out your feet, you've managed to strike it, strike it really well, it's gone into the back of the net, you've scored a great goal. Um, and, you know, the coach might ask a question, you know, I love the way you did that. 
but can you tell me what parts you did really well within that process? Right, and be ready for them to say, I don't know, I just kicked it, you know, <laughs> because because yeah. they're not used to that. But, and so, okay. so when you start doing that, yeah. you need to say, I want to deconstruct it a little bit, you know, like I want to, and yes, have some of that. Um, and, and, and making sure that mm. those questions and that when you're asking questions like that, when you have a Q&A, it doesn't become, I guess, what I'm thinking game. It's actually, you actually want mm. to hear what they mm. thought or what they did, right? Because I've had so many Definitely. times, you know, I had a coach that I worked with who I, um, who I absolutely adore, but he would say things like at halftime, he would be like, okay, <laughs> what do we think? And the players would start saying what they thought and he would go, nope. And yeah. I was like, uh -huh. well, yes. <laughs> You kind of are. And, and so, yeah. and so I, I get the, the fact that you're asking what did we think because you want them to think that we are a team, but you actually yeah. want to know what they think. You actually want to know what they're going through in, the, in there. And then you can see them what you see from out here. And so, and so then you can combine it, mm. right? But, but, but asking them what do, what, do, what, do, what do we think and then saying no to what they think is not, is not a great way of, yeah. of asking questions. And so... Definitely. I think from my experience with that particular scenario, I, I look at times when maybe I've asked a, a, a player a question or even a, even a coach that I'm, I'm working with. Um, I try and go down the route of maybe being almost vague, but, bit, you know, narrowing it down at the same time. So, it's, you know, OK, so rather than what do we think, you know, I'll give them a directive. So what do we think about the way, I don't know, the, the opposition played out from the back or whatever that might be? Um, to really give him, you know, some something a focus to look at, and again, it, it'll give me an opportunity to see where their perspective at is on that. Context, yes, and that so that's sense. where you would ask. So, what did you think about the way the opposition was coming out, or you know, something like that? Because you yeah. you want to make sure that you're not asking leading questions. So you want to make sure that it's open. So, what yeah. did you think about the opposition? You know, like how they how they presented to the game. You know, how what they did. You know. What was what was their defensive line like or, you know, something. And even if you get specific that you're not that they don't feel quizzed, you know, like, oh, my God, was it a 442 or was it like, oh, my God, I yeah. don't remember. I don't know. You know, it's it's just like from your perspective, how did it how did it feel? What did what did you think? What were you looking at? What were some of the cues? Because then that can give you a little bit of information where you can actually say, OK, no, they don't get it at all. And so I need to step back. And, and it's not a question of, oh my God, you don't get you don't get it at all. It means I'm not explaining it correctly. So how do I explain it so that we're all on the same page? Mm. You know, so just kind of, you know, on that then, how important is you know, I guess it kind of links back into something we touched on a, a, a few a few moments ago around that new behavior. Your first, you know, you, one of the things you said there was be prepared for them to say I don't know. Again, because it's not a uh, it's not a common occurrence. It's, and uh, in most environments, you know, essentially you have to build your way to that becoming the norm in the environment, and then you know seeing that it is a it is a genuine process in which you are trying to obtain their gen general thoughts and their true thoughts about what they're perceiving, what they're feeling, and you know on that note, how important is it for us to maybe ask questions about? Or that that challenge the athlete to really channel in and 
pay attention to how they feel and not what they just they think about certain right and things. that that takes us back to the very beginning of awareness because what some of the things that i work with the most is actually becoming aware of your thoughts and feelings so what is it that you're feeling at that moment right mm. so whether it's whether it's joy or sadness or anger or you know happiness or whatever it is that they're feeling or frustration or you know i mean we can run the gamut right of, of emotions and and so what is it that you're feeling and then what do you do with that because our thoughts and emotions we don't control them but we can manage them we don't control you know when you get angry at something and i'm because of uh because i've worked with football for a long time and i use the refs all the time for this it's like when you get angry at a ref um the anger that you feel at a bad call you know that that you know your stomach getting or or your you know your jaw clenching because you're so angry uh what do you want to and i've and i've asked players you know what do you want to do in that moment and a lot of times what they want to do is it would probably get them arrested <laughs> right because they want to hit someone or you know i mean like they want to hit the ref or, and i'm like well probably not a great idea right to do that and so you actually need to manage that emotion and that thought right and so how do you do that so you actually need to practice what you're going to do when you have that feeling right and so and so when you have that feeling so we talk about possible stressful situations what do you think and feel? What do you do? And then what should you do? And sometimes what you do is already working, but it's about creating strategies. And it's about you recognizing how you act when you're angry, how you act when you are, mm. when you are um, too elated, let's say. I had a, a, a player who saved a penalty and was so elated that didn't focus on the corner kick and then he and he got scored on right after saving the penalty <laughs> and so so it works with both with both um with the whole range of emotions because i i don't use positive or negative uh either thoughts or or feelings and emotions i use effective and ineffective what is effective for you do you recognize it what do you do with it and so again we talk about the awareness piece and and again so when i see especially working, you know, with grassroots or, or academy players, when I see somebody getting very upset and the coach going like, that doesn't help, I tell the coach that doesn't either. Uh, <laughs> you know, just yelling at someone that doesn't help, doesn't help them either. So it's a little bit of having a conversation with when you feel this, what, what else can you do? So what else could you do? Yeah, and I think, you know, just, again, I think you, you Again, it's quite simple, you know, when the, the way you're breaking it down, it's almost stripping it right back. If you don't know what you know, then you, how are you going to deal with it, essentially? And that that self-awareness, I think, is so key. Just on that then, you know, you talked there about paying attention to how you feel within mm -hmm. different emotions so, or how you act when you have certain feelings, whether that be anger, whether that be, you know, over, over you know, over jubilance or elated as you put it um in regards to that then you talked about talked to something earlier about you know putting certain pressures on athletes within i guess their training uh, sessions or regimes could you give us some examples of what that um, could look like sure so i've had athletes who come into a training session and they say that they um they had a really rough night and they don't feel like they are going to be able to train well today because of that. Right. 
and um, and and it could be a rough night because you had an exam, because you went out to party, <laughs> because you have a a young baby in the house, you know, because you were sick. I mean, whatever the whatever it is that you had a rough night, you know. Now now you're coming into training saying, I don't know if I can if I can perform well today. So my first question is, do we need to do we need to talk? I mean. I, I want to make sure that you're not going to get injured, you know? So is this something that you actually need to take the time off or do you, or can you train? And and, and 99% of the time they say, no, 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 I can train. I'm, I'm fine. I'm, you know, and I'm like, okay. So then we're going to take advantage of the opportunity that we have today for you to be able to perform at 80%. So you're not at a hundred percent. You're at 80, at, at 80%. Can you give a hundred of that 80? Because if you get used to doing that, you're going to find that, especially when you work with at, at, at high performance, you know, at, at an Olympic level or, or, or a professional, you know, uh, or with professional athletes, um, they're dealing with their bodies aching or hurting a lot of the time. And so, and so mm-hmm. when you are at, so if you are at 80%, can you give a hundred of that 80? Uh, and that's something that Michael Jordan talked about quite often, you know, like I, I, I focus on what I have, not what I'm missing. Right. But that's something that you need to practice. Mm. And, and again, we go back to, are you actually doing that in training? I had a, a, a player who would come into, he came into my office and said, I hate having to prove myself every day. Um, and I just looked at him and I said, if I don't say something useful to you today, will you come back? And he started laughing and he said, no. And then I said, then I guess I need to prove myself to you today. Right. And so, and so when we are in these, you know, you're a professional. So yes, you do need to prove yourself every day. And so instead of trying to kill it every day and trying to, you know, like, oh my God, it has to be perfect every day. It's actually putting together uh, 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 good performances one after the other, because that's where you go from. That's where, when you have, I, I prefer the athletes that have, you know, that are consistent and have like all of these good performances one after the other, because then that gives you kind of like that plateau uh, where they can jump up, right, from good to great, kind of. Um, when you have an athlete that has one good training session, one bad training session, one unbelievable training session, one unbelievably horrible training session, it's a lot harder. Uh, to to come up with what is it that we need, right? And so that's where we actually need to say, okay, what's going on and what's happening around around this athlete? Hmm. I think just on that though, it's, it's important obviously for uh, you know the athletes to understand that they can't always be at their best or rather they can't always achieve the same level of performance. But, so, you know, you touched there about, you know, if, if 80% is what you can give, can we give 100% of that 80%? Um, and I think you know, that's, that's a very interesting way of looking at it. You know, it's essentially whatever you're doing, just leave it all out then, you know, give it your best shot. Right. And, and what do we mean by your best, right? And so like being very specific to, I would rather that you do 10 reps well yeah. than you do 20 halfway through you know, half-heartedly or so, so let's focus on these 10 that you're going to do so that we can actually just get the best out of that today. And so this is what we're doing and this is how we're adapting it. Definitely. So then you're kind of coming back to the topic then around, you know, how to get the best out of the athlete. Yes. (laughs) 
how does what does that look like? Right. And so what does that look like? And so and so we go back to the first thing, you know, to get the best out of the athlete, you need to actually know your athlete. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you actually need to know the person. You need to yeah. invest that time in getting to know this person and understanding what what actually helps and what doesn't. Um when um when working with top level athletes, you know, one of the things that they do that they have is that they're pretty demanding of themselves. They're highly perfectionistic. They're, that's all great. Uh, That's going to get in the way of performance on the day of competition. So you need to be aware of that so that they can actually Mm -hmm. say, okay, now you actually need to let yourself, you know, you need to let it flow and you need to let it go. And so for that, you have to have, you have to have that integrated into your training sessions. Because if not, you're not going to get the best out of the athlete. What's the type of information that you're giving them? Um, are you explaining where they are in the cycle? So uh, I know for swimmers and track and field athletes, they taper before uh, before the major competition in the year, right? It's very different from tennis or or football where you're constantly mm-hmm. competing, right? Uh, in, 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 in all of these other competitions, there's going to be competitions that you train through and competitions that you that you focus on. So for those, you don't wanna be overtrained, you wanna be well rested, you wanna make sure that you're resilient, you know, you wanna have, you wanna make sure that you have all these things. Does the athlete know how to do that? Are they building that proactive resilience? Are they doing the things that they need to do with with rest, with food, with hydration, with, you know, with, with, um, if they, you know, with spirituality, whatever it is that they want to do, uh, are they uh, are they getting what they need in that sense? So they're proactively almost like putting money in the bank, <laughs> so that when you have an action where where you actually have to make a payment, you know, where you have to have that reactive resilience, they have uh, they have somewhere to draw from. You know, it's it's not an empty bank account yes, or an empty tank. If you want to think of petrol and, you know, if you think of that, it's, uh, they actually yeah, have something sense. there. And so, and so they can actually respond really well. And they just see, and, and, and that's where you hear, oh my God, they're so resilient. Well, they've been working at it. And this is not something that you're born with. This is something that yeah. you keep working on day after day. And, you know, do you talk there, you know, you mentioned there about, you know, us giving them information. You talk there about some of the things that we might want to consider there. But the first and foremost was about getting to know the athlete themselves. So, what you know in the first initial stages, then what is some of the most important questions that we should be asking of the athlete to really get to know them? Obviously, aside from the you know the basics about you know you know who their name is and potentially you know their their journey about where they grew up or whatever that might look like in its basic basic terms. What might be the, some of the finer detail that we might want to pick up on and really start to consider? Um, I guess delving deeper. So, uh, so I, I, I do think that uh, family history is important. You know, like you know where 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 they come from, what mm-hmm. you know, and and where they come from. How many siblings do they have? Do they have you know? Uh, uh, and uh, yeah. how how involved are the parents? Are they incredible? You know, you have incredibly supportive parents and parents that are not there at all. And it could be for very many different reasons, right? So you have parents that are uh, incredibly supportive that can actually be overbearing. But then you have parents that are never there because Mm. they're working three different jobs in order for them to be able to buy the shoes that their kids need to be able to participate. Sure, and just just on that then, would you say there's a need for us to maybe understand 
how the athlete or you know if it was a child in this case or or to be honest it doesn't really matter where it is i mean however is it important for us to understand the value that they place on that sort of thing so for instance if you've got that parent who can't be at the uh, at the events for whatever reason you know whether that be they work in three jobs just to kind of keep food on the table because you know these are circumstances that could occur or you've got the other parent that is always able to be there for whatever you know for, for, because their circumstances allow it is it important for us to maybe get the athlete to consider and really look and appreciate? Uh, it is. I mean, if you so. have time to, to to have those conversations and, 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 and you can make those connections, you know, just to say, you know, this is about the time. I mean, ultimately, you're here now, whether it's on a track, whether it's on a football field, mm. you know, wherever they are. It's like this is the time that you have for you today. And, you know, your parents might be, you know, being your parents might be supportive in different ways, but this is your time. And so what are you going to do with this time that you have today? Right. And then opening the door for having those conversations. Mm. Right. I mean, um, I, I, I have coaches that say, uh, you know, I have so many kids and I coach three different teams and I don't have time for that. Then, then, then you're actually just a, a, a skills coach. You're not, you're actually not making, you're not there to make people better. <laughs> Because the only way that you get to make people better is to actually know them and put the time into it and be willing to teach and to help and to, yeah, support the whole process and the journey that they're going to have through this. I was very fortunate with the coaches that I had as an athlete in track and field. I had coaches that pushed me really hard, but who all, all who, you know, challenged me, but who were also incredibly supportive. And they all took the time to get to know me well. They know exactly what 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 mm. buttons to push. <laughs> and just you know, just on that, then you know, you you mentioned there about if you're not doing those things, then you're probably just a skills coach. So, what would you define someone as that is doing? Those um, I think that that, that that's uh, uh, for me. That's like the true meaning of coach. You know, like somebody who actually wants to help you become better at whatever it is that you're doing. And so I'm taking the whole person into account. I'm not just teaching skills and I'm not just saying, okay, here we go from cone A to cone B or from hurdle A to hurdle B. We're actually actually seeing how Mm -hmm. you develop. And then in the middle, when you are resting or when we go for a water break or I say something about, hey, I saw that you did this. Or, I mean, I've I've been in academies where, where coaches that are actually involved in who ask about how school went, uh, just just asking the question gets them a little bit more involved you know, with with these players or with these athletes, mm-hmm. and then and then it allows for other conversations. And so understanding that it's not just a again not just a pair of legs, but you know like the whole person because we hear often you know the holistic approach is the most important, and but then what is that really? And it is taking the entire person into account. And so, so everything that you need to, to and, and so the, again, if we go back to the fact that in, in football, for example, they have this model with the four corners. I mean, the fact that it's a corner, I love it. <laughs> you know, the fact that it's like, you are thinking about this. How yeah. are you implementing it? But I think it's really interesting what you said at the start. You know, you, you don't consider it necessarily as a corner yourself. You consider to look at it because you know for me i've never considered it from i've never considered looking at it from that perspective i've always um remained strong that for me that psych corner you know we do use the four corner model and you know 
within the football, uh, especially over here. And for me, that site corner is almost underpins everything. Um, and I don't think you can underestimate how important that actually is. You know, like you said, in terms of the state of mind and you know the the the, the emotions that a play athletes and players might be going through. You know, just in, I want to kind of take you back a few moments there. And you talked about some of the things that, or some of the into or the, the personal things that in each individual could potentially be going through. How important would you say in this in this in this whole process of trying to get the best out of them that is, um, you know, this piece around social construction and developing an environment which is consistent with certain things and, you know, looking at things you can control and versus the things that you can influence, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I'm, uh, the, the, the best coaches that I've seen in action are coaches that create the environment where, uh, where they are consistent, where they are, you know, where they are truthful, honest, you know, respectful. And, and, and when you have those things, I mean, there's like this standard that we have, and this is the culture that we have, right? And so when we have that, and that is consistent, then it allows for people to perform at their best. I remember um, there's a swimmer that I, uh, that I know well from Britain, Adrian Morehouse, and he often talks about how, um, at the swimming pool where he was, uh, when he was preparing for the Olympics, there was a sign that says the environment, the the aim of, of this establishment is to create an environment where champions are inevitable. Um, and and okay, so so when talking about that, it's what does that look like? What does that environment look like? You know, where champions mm-hmm. are inevitable. So uh, do they have what they need? Do they have what they need? Um, and, and I've seen clubs where they have very, very limited resources, but they have that connection with a coach that just makes them, that you, where, where you have somebody who's very creative, who's a problem solver, who if we don't have access to a goal, then we can do this and, and we can make a goal with, you know, with, with, with these things. Um, there was a club in, in, in Argentina that got flooded and they had to go to this park to train right and they were training for for a major competition this academy was training for a major competition and a couple of the players said we're not going to be able to do well because we don't even have goals he was like what do you mean we don't have goals you have that tree and that tree like that's almost the same size as you know what i mean it's like yes not the best but but can we be creative can we can we hold each other account? Can you do these exercises even if you don't have the goal? Can you do these things that will make you perform well? And, and actually having that, that kind of, of connection with the players and having fun in the training session while being very demanding. Don't, don't misinterpret. You know, when I say fun, it's not like, oh, yeah, we're going to the movies. It's actually be, having fun because you're pushing me and I'm actually accomplishing something. Mm. And so when you can create those environments, and I've seen those environments where people thrive, and I've also seen environments where you compromise, you know, a coach will compromise himself by saying, these are the rules, and then somebody breaks that rule, but it's one of your starters, and that rule doesn't apply to that particular person, then then that environment is, is not going to produce, you know, uh, it's not an environment that's going to produce what you want. <laughs> mm. 
No, I think I think you're definitely right. And I, I, I use this uh, this idea of you know, treat everyone fairly, um, mm-hmm. but fairly doesn't necessarily mean equally. Uh, Absolutely. And I think within that, it's just then it really then that you know it lends itself to looking deeper into the maybe the social and psychological context of of the environment uh, and the individuals within it. Um, and a pre and a, you know developing real empathy and a, a compassion for those in you know and understanding yeah you know you might need to keep or have different uh, reactions or different uh, consequences for different people however whatever you decide you're going to do has to you, you must you must keep some level of consistency and it comes back to the thing that you're talking about right at the start about building trust and being consistent with what you're saying you're going to do and following through on that um, and not changing it as you've you know given an example there about having someone potentially who might be at the bottom end of the squad and then you've got one of your star players doing the same thing, well, you can't make an exception just because they're a star player. They still need to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, sanctioned accordingly. Um, right. And, and so we had a, we had, I, I was in a situation where somebody actually took uh, some shoes from somebody else's locker, you know, okay. so you're still, you're stealing yeah and 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 if we can't have a locker room i i don't care how good you are if you are taking something from this space that we all consider ours and safe you're making it unsafe and so when they're young you can have a conversation and you can have a when when this becomes a, a an issue with older players it's a i mean you have to have rules where if is it is it one of your non-negotiables or is it uh let's talk about it and 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 for me it's with the clubs that i work with in the in the the different teams that i've worked with it's we have very very few (laughs) non-negotiables because you you're you're talking about human beings and so so the few non-negotiables that you have they are really non-negotiable so it's Mm -hmm. an it's a it's an automatic out but but if you have it, it, and then you have to allow for do we need to have conversations about this and yeah. what's what's happening right? And just just on that then you know you you talk there about the non negotiables now obviously every environment is going to have different non negotiables um, for different reasons and you know that could be whether it's looking at more at the elite end of the game where you look or elite end of the sport that you're in whether it's be senior athletes or youth athletes now on that you know just from your experience and you know having worked now in this domain as a sports psychologist but previously even as an athlete you know being an olympic athlete yourself are there any consistent maybe non-negotiables that you felt that have uh they've just universally worked to an extent if that makes sense yes and so um so disrespecting someone Mm. You know, like being disrespectful and being disrespectful. I mean, like that's just a non-negotiable. And then we have to define what do we mean by that? Yeah. So, so if you're being disrespectful, I'm not, I'm not talking about somebody, you know, having a, having a moment where they lose it and, you know, it's an emotional moment. And then it, it it's about actually intentionally disrespecting someone. Mm. That's a, that's a non-negotiable. Um but again, uh, sorry to pause you on that, that. That comes back to the thing we were talking about at the start, and that you know that awareness piece, isn't it? Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of you know a lot of things that we need to consider within that, and you know, I certainly, you know, for someone like myself working in in an environment where 
is a, a very diverse culture in terms of you know ethnicities and the athletes within the environments that can sometimes be uh, a stumbling block for that respect that respect aspect um and you know understanding different cultures and how some things might just be seen as disrespectful in, in some cultures that might not be seen as disrespectful in others if that makes sense um absolutely and, and one of the things that 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 with the club with with the different groups that I've worked with whether you know teams or we talk about this because you do have all of this diversity with cultural and so what is our team culture going to be like of this group here what are some of the things what do we mean by respect and what do we mean because I mean I know working with different groups I had uh I had a couple of people that come from cultures where actually looking at you in the eye is disrespectful. And it, and and we had somebody who kept saying like, when I'm talking to you, you need to look me in the eye because if not, you're, you're disrespecting me. And I was like, Mm. no, they're not. And you actually need to understand that. And you need to understand that for them to look at you in the eye would be very hard because of where they come from. So that, that can't be part of the equation Mm. of you saying you're disrespecting me. So is it in in those moments then more about expressing rather than you know stating a fact, it's more expressing a perspective, if that makes sense. So, you know, where in that example you might have a coach who feels it's disrespectful if the player is not looking at them in the eye when they're being spoken to. Um, is it you know are you essentially saying it's imp- it's very important in that case for the coach to maybe express that? I find it disrespectful when X, Y, Z. Yes. And that's where you would have to have like those individual conversations, right? I mean, like, this is something that I find disrespectful and then allow for the player or athlete to say, uh, actually I'm showing a lot of respect, you know? Mm -hmm. And then um, I, I know I worked with a coach that this was like, super important for for him and I, it, it just did not matter how much we talked about you know how two of the of his athletes were from a culture where this is like not something that and so we came to an agreement that the athlete when the coach started talking to them they had to look at him in the eye once and then they could look down <laughs> and if they did that once that was enough and so and so we came to a compromise satisfy the coach's ego a little bit Yes, and 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 at times when you are in these high performance, high performing environments, again, there are going to be times when you get to choose your coach, and there's going to be times when this is a coach you have. Yeah. And so when we're talking about getting the best out of the athlete, I'm talking about how am I helping the athlete too, right. not just. I mean, like I'm I'm going to try and get you know obviously if I can get to the coach and say, Hey, you know, this athlete, this is how they show respect or, you know, uh, this is what you need. Then, then, then if, if the coach gets it, then that's fine. If this coach is adamant about somebody looking at him in the eye, then I'm going to work with the athlete to be able to deliver this in a way that is not horrible to them. Um, And so, and so I have to work within the environment and I'm ultimately trying to get the best for the athlete and trying to get the athlete to be able to perform at their best, to be able to uh, to do well, whether it's an Olympic competition or a, you know, U14 football match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, just to kind of follow up on that then, you know, obviously we're going to go into talking about some of the non-negotiables and we're still in this respect thing a little bit. I just want to just interesting to kind of know, you've talked a lot about the stuff that maybe you would do from a... Uh, 
a practitioner's perspective as a sports psychologist. I'm just interested to know maybe within your own journey as an athlete, if there was any moments that you felt or that you observed where a coach or, or uh, you know, uh, I guess someone as part of the performance teams or support teams had done something that you felt really helped to get the best out of you. Um, yes, I had a cup. So I had one coach when I started uh, competing in track and field, I was doing this exercise. I'm, I'm 5'11", so 180, one, 180 uh, height, right? And so um, I was doing this exercise with, with, with hurdles and I was doing four steps instead of three in between the hurdles. Mm. And she came up and said, you need to do three steps in between the hurdles. And I said, I can't. And she said, if you can't, pack up your stuff and leave. Right, okay. And she knew me well enough by then. Like, it was my second month in track and field. And so, but she knew me really well by then because she had spent some time, you know, getting to know me. And mm. and, and I just looked at her and I was like, I'll show you, you know. And so I did it and I was able to do the three steps between the hurdles. It was actually a lot easier than the stupidity that I was doing of the four <laughs> steps, right? Uh, um, and so I did it and I was very smug, you know, like I, I'm like at the end of the hurdles and I'm like looking at her going like, so there. And she goes, no, you so there. I will never ask you to do something that I don't think you can do or that I know that you can do. So I, I can't, it's not part of your vocabulary here. Mm. And I was like, whoa, lesson learned. And it was a lesson learned in two ways. Number one, I don't say I can't, <laughs> but number two, it also showed me how well she knew me of how telling me, get your stuff and leave would get the best out of me. It wouldn't be like, oh my God, she kicked me out of training. You know, it, for me, it was like such a, uh, such a, the backside such a push you know it was like she was really challenging me in a way that I was like I'll show you you know <laughs> and then I had another coach uh uh in in here in the U.S. when I came to the U.S. to do uh to, at the University of Arizona Bob Myers um actually at one point said um I was again hurdles seem to be part of my history here <laughs> I was doing an exercise for the hurdles and I actually hit my like my, my knee pretty bad banged it up pretty bad in a, in a hurdle and I you know fell down and got up put the hurdle back up and and Bob said go sit down and I was like no I can do it and he said go sit down and I was like no 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 I can do it and my knee was getting like swollen right mm. uh, at the time and he just looked at me and he said I'm telling you to go sit down now and he was like and, and he never raised his voice and he raised his voice this time. And I just like looked at him and I went and sat down and I was very upset. And I was, you know, I was like, I could do it. And, and so he grabbed eyes for me. I put eyes on my leg and, and, and he said, sometimes you are, you know, it's great that you're really persistent. Sometimes you're stubborn and you get in your own way and you need to stop doing that. Mm. And, and I was like, whoa, another, you know, aha moment of awareness of going like yeah sometimes it's not trying harder sometimes it's actually being smart 
And sometimes it's not, you know, it, sometimes it's not just a question of I can do it. It's a question of actually taking the time to take things in. And when you get hurt, you actually need to take care of yourself. Mm. And so those were, you know, pretty different, uh, but, but, but some good lessons. And then, and then both those coaches and another coach that I had, uh, Valente Vekman, a Polish coach that I had in Mexico, all three of them knew that they would get more out of me with, uh, again, you know, kind of like saying that was great. Do that again, you know, rather than, uh, no, your knee was down. You know, they would, they would use more of the positive reinforcement and then, and then knew where to draw the line when needed. (laughs) Just, just on that, then, you know, you talked there about the positive reinforcement and, you know, obviously, uh, in the same vein, some players probably react uh, more positively to maybe some negative comments at times or something that could be seen as constructive criticism, but is criticism nonetheless. Now, are there any consistent things that we, you know, maybe we could pick up on potentially that will help us identify what might work best or is it literally just a trial and error process with each individual? So I try to, so, so one of the things that I try to do is I really try to, when we talk about communication, I, I talk about feedback as always being positive and criticizing being negative. <sighs> and so I, I, I look at it in a different way, right? So when you get feedback, you're focusing on challenging someone. Uh, you present a problem and you're focused on behavior. You're using specifics, you know, you talk about your and you're using facts and you're focusing on 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 challenging them and 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 actually saying that they can change this, right? You want them to become aware. you want the you want to help them change this behavior, this action, this drill, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. And usually it builds a relationship. This is not to say that the feedback is always like, oh, you did great. It could be, um, like I said, don't get in your own way. And this is why, you know, and there's a difference between being persistent and being stubborn. So when he says you're being, you, you being stubborn is actually not helping you, you know, and you, and you could get hurt and you, and so that for me was, was feedback. It's hard to hear, but it's still feedback because besides they're talking about my behavior, they're not saying you are stubborn. They're saying what you're doing is stubborn. Right. And so uh, criticizing for me is personal. It's it's focusing on the person. Uh, a lot of times it's general. There's there's judgment attached to it. It it focuses on blame. Uh, it causes division, and it's a lot of times I'm getting even. So as a coach, you made me upset, and so now I'm telling you how horrible you are, instead of focusing on how we can ma- uh, how you can change that behavior. So for me, those are like the two things that. And when I say feedback is always positive, it's because of the way I look at feedback, not because I'm saying good job all the time. <laughs> sure, sure. So they kind of kind of take you back to, you know, those bits, those non-negotiables. You know, we started off there with respect. Mm-hmm. What would follow after that for you as a, as a consistent, almost a universal one that, that generally mm-hmm. tends to be working or has worked in your experience? Um, this... Um, for me, this communication piece is is one that 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 has to be that has to be really clear. Um, the expectations need to be need to be set clearly, right? So, what are what are some of the expectations that I have on your behavior, right? Uh, 
things as, 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 as simple as being on time, you know, and that goes back to respect because you need to be respectful of everybody's time and you're actually creating a habit. Right. And so, so things as, as, as simple as it's almost like, you know, you're on time. You don't, you don't insult people. You don't, uh, uh, you don't, you don't, you don't take things that don't belong to you. (laughs) You know, all of these different things are things that I've seen throughout all of these different environments that are, Mm -hmm. which seem pretty simple. Uh, but then how do you enforce them? Um, in, in a college setting, I worked with a group that decided that, you know, they would not, they would not drink during season. And if they did, they would not be allowed to play the next game. And so it's like, are you okay with that? And are you okay with, is the coach willing to do that? So will the coach, if the athlete say, says, you know, comes, comes up and says, I, I, um, I had a drink. I disappointed the team. I had a drink. My bad. Are you going to sit him down if he's your starter, if he's one of your starters? And the coach said, yes. And I said, okay, so this is one of your non-negotiables. He said, yes. And I was like, okay. Um, into the season, you know, a couple of last, you know, last games going into, uh, the, the last tournament or whatnot two of the players that usually started said we were at a party and, and we drank and, uh, and we are incredibly sorry. And we disappointed ourselves and you and the team, and we're willing to do the retribution or, um, uh, and, and we're willing to do whatever it takes so that we can actually make it up and, and not have to miss the game. And the coach said, no, no, sorry. I mean, this is what we agreed upon at the beginning. You guys came up with those rules. You said that it was okay. And yes, you can do restitution, but you're off the game. Just and that, so that, was there any credit given to them for coming forward with that? There was a recognition of the, I, I think it's great that you came forward and that you, you know, I mean, it's, they knew that, you know, they thought they would be caught. And so they thought, you know, and, and even if they didn't think they would get caught, the fact that they actually said, he thanked them for, for, for being so honest and coming forward and, and for the coach not having to hear it from someone else, that they actually came forward and, and said what they needed to say. They apologized to the entire team. Um, the, they, as a team at the beginning of the season, came up with the consequence of doing this is you not playing. So now you actually need to live with a consequence because you knew what the consequence was when you took that drink. And so, you know, and so for me, the fact that the coach was able to actually do that when he had a couple of players injured and, a co- and, and you know, you have, a, you have an important game. Is this important game more important than the lesson that they're learning? You know, are you willing to compromise this? And this coach was not willing to compromise this because this is his program. And if you've decided that this is what you're doing, then this is what we're doing. And so, yes, you know, it was like they weren't kicked out <laughs> of the team, but, but, but they didn't play. Yeah. And so um, I've, had, I've had a couple of very difficult conversations when you are at the, you know, for – in, in the UK, it would be kind of like similar to the Commonwealth Games, you know, in, in sure. America, it's the Pan-American Games. 
uh, or the European Cup or, you know. uh, So um, in the Pan American Games, a couple of people who were doing things that they were not supposed to be doing and they were sent home and they really hurt the team. But, you know, it's like you are representing more than yourself. You're here representing your country and you can't, you can't do some of the things that you're doing. Right. And we've seen that with, with, with examples, with athletes uh, in the Rio Olympics, you know, people drinking a bit much or making up stories of, of having things stolen when they actually, when it actually didn't happen and things like that. And, And that's where you see how sometimes, you know, these values get compromised. So actually being really true to your values and the things that you value as a, as, as, as the head of a team, I think are, are very important and need to be clear from the, from the very beginning. And I find that if you communicate well with these things, people tend to follow through much more easily. And I'll give you an example, because I know that in the UK, they suffer the same that we do in the US and in Mexico and in Spain. And because I've done studies of parental behavior in sports. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so a lot of times I hear, you know, oh my God, parents are horrible. And I'm a parent and I have uh, a son who plays soccer, who's a professional soccer player now, uh, plays in the MLS. And, you know, so I, I come from this as, a, as an athlete myself, then having studied this and now being the parent of a, of a football player, right? <laughs> so I've gone through like the whole process of this. And for me, it's about how do you communicate and what information do you give from the get-go? What are things that are allowed? What are things that are not allowed? And if you communicate clearly in, in any type of situation, you're going to have the parent that's a, in, in any group, let's say you have 20 kids playing for you. You're going to have one set of parents that are an absolute nightmare. You're going to have a couple parents that are not really either, either or, you know, like not really involved. And then you have everybody in the middle, right? Uh so you, you're going to have the great parents, the horrible parents, and then, and then people that are all over the middle. If you communicate well your expectations, the way that you, the, the way that you communicate, the, you know, if you're going to do it through email, when they can reach you, what you're open to discuss, you know, and whatnot. If you are able to establish that from the very beginning, like your team culture, this is how we do things here. Um, and then, and then you're consistent with that when a parent comes to you at the end of a game and says, oh, my kid, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you say, yes, you can make an appointment and we can talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it in the parking lot or whatever, you know, because that allows for emotions to get a little bit, you know, to go down a little bit. If you're able to, to, to express that and you continue to talk about the way that you handle things and you do that consistently, you're still going to have the parent that's absolutely horrible, but it's just going to be the one because everybody else is going to be, that parent is not going to have such a great influence on your whole group. Yeah. If you don't deal with it, then that parent is going to be, you know, very, it's gonna be like, isn't it? they're going to have a huge voice in that group yeah. and they're going to, and they're going to influence that group in a very negative way. So, it, so it's up to you to say, I, these are some of the things that I need to communicate when you start getting into with older, you know, with, you know, when, when, when I'm talking about the athletes at the Olympic level or whatever, I, I want to make sure that 
as a performance psychologist, these are some of the things that I can help you with. And mm-hmm. I can help you with these things, but uh, but I may not be able to help you with these other things, right? And so, and as a performance psychologist, I also have other people that I'm, I'm in contact with and that help with a mental health piece, because that's the, the other piece that we need to be talking about, because we're trying to get people to perform at their best in everything, not just in, not, not just a pair of legs, <laughs> right? Mm. I think, you know, you, you talk there about that, that, not just a pair of legs you know it's, it's, you're right it's, it's, it's definitely not just a physical thing you know it is about you know helping the players manage their emotions manage their mental states and you know it, it comes back right back to the first thing that we spoke about around the awareness and you know them understanding the impact of some of these uh i guess these interactions they're having or some of the things that they're having to go through as a, a, athletes especially when you get to the elite elite end of the game or whatever sport that is um you know, the different pressures they have to deal with. And obviously the more high pressure the environment is, the more the more they have to lose to it, to an extent, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's their livelihood at the end of the day. You know, yes, they, you know, they're, they're very, I guess, great. You know, I'm sure a lot of them are very grateful for the opportunities they've been given. And they're very fortunate to have, uh, I guess, jobs, if you want to call it that, that they have a passion for and that he enjoyed doing and there's probably millions and millions you know regardless of what sport it is where wish they could be in those positions um that in itself comes with a lot of additional pressure i'm sure um you know you talk there about if you know on the on the whole idea of non-negotiables you know you talk there about the the respect the communication part and obviously you know the, the the respect for time as well i'm just you know conscious now as we, you know, as we start to wind down now, you know, what would you say are some of the, you know, if you had to break it down and highlight some key steps um, in getting the best out of an individual, whether, or, you know, an athlete or even a group of athletes, you know, if, if it was a team sport, you know, what would those steps be? And, you know, what would that process be that you would follow? So it's actually thinking about how, what kind of an impact do you want to have? Because there's, uh, and, and, and then check for that impact, right? So because you may have an intention, so I may have the intention of, of, of communicating this, but then I need to check with you to, to, to check for understanding. So just in this conversation that we've had several times, both you and I have said, oh, yes, yeah, so this is what I'm hearing, or this is what I yeah. mean. And so I'm making sure that I'm checking for understanding, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to see if you're not just listening, but understanding and comprehending what I have to say, right? And mm-hmm. so, and, and you've done that in a very lovely way. <laughs> and, so, and so part of that has to do with, I mean, if we're talking about what are some of the things that you want to make sure that, you, that are part of your program, it, it, it's part of, you know, are you creating a trusting environment? Are you creating an environment where, where people can thrive, not th- not just survive, but where people can thrive, where, where people can feel, where people can listen to feedback, where they can, where they feel challenged, but they but but they don't feel like they're getting attacked. Um, are you are you providing a, 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 a an environment where they can become aware? Of, of what they're doing and how they're doing it. And, and what are some of the things that you're doing to provide that? And so having conversation, asking questions that are not leading, but open questions. Um, are, you, are you allowing them to, to bring back what, what they see or what they feel? Do they, do they have uh, 
can, can they watch film, right? Uh, so they, they become aware, are you doing that yourself? You know, as a coach, have you filmed yourself? Um, this is uh, a great exercise. And so do you, do you see yourself? Do you hear yourself? The coach that I told you that I, I mic'd up and he, he was looking at the video mortified of the fact that because he was being, because he had a mic on, he said, I became a blubbering idiot, you know, saying good job 47 times. Like I can't do that. And I was like, okay, so next time we won't, you know, it, it's, just be aware of the fact that you have a, 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 a mic or that you're getting videotaped, try and be as natural as you can be so that you are. And, and the reality is, he said, Oh, I was doing it because I was mic'd up. I was like, Nope, you do it all the time. <laughs> right. But, but so becoming aware, and then creating a space where, where, where people can actually express thoughts and feelings. And I'm not talking about, um, uh, having, you know, sessions where, where, oh, yeah, we're just going to talk about thoughts and feelings. But it, it, it's about how do you think, how do you incorporate these things into everyday training? So when you see an athlete getting frustrated, can you see, can you say, I can see that you're getting frustrated, take a deep breath, and let's move on. This is part of training. This is part, this is part of what you need to get through. Uh, can you can you let go of the mistake? Can you focus on this next drill? Can you refocus? So are you giving them those coping skills that they need? Can you incorporate them into your training? Mm. Just on that, then, how important is it that they have something that's personalized to them? Because sometimes we, you know, uh, I think as coaches or practitioners, we tend to go with strategies and mechanisms that we have come across and seen other people use you know is there a, is there an additional importance for that athlete to come up with their own way of dealing with it which which, which they can associate with uh... absolutely because ultimately you want the athlete to own it right and so and so that's why yeah. that's why yeah. you're asking questions you're not just prescribing you're not saying okay this is what you need to do you could say you know okay these are a couple of things that have worked for me think about what will work for you yeah and if it's you know, and it's absolutely fine in that case, then you know, then for them to kind of pick up another way that you've suggested and take ownership of absolutely. that too, isn't it? Absolutely, because if 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 That's you all. take ownership, I mean, if it's something that that works for you and that you do, then 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 it becomes yours, and then you're going to be wanting to do it more often. So yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just, you know, just kind of you know, we've covered it, we've covered a lot you know, albeit a short space, I'm sure we can kind of go on for hours, <laughs> you know, around this whole area and, you know, it'd be great to kind of, you know, have you back on again, uh, you know, maybe continue in a part two or some sort. Um, but mindful of your time and obviously, um, like I said, in this episode, there's already been a lot for the listeners to digest as well as myself. And, I, you know, I'm conscious of uh, you know, almost having an overload of information too. Um, but just, you know, if there was any... Uh, listeners out there that wanted to kind of maybe delve deeper into some of the things that we have discussed um, and had any questions for you. Is there somewhere they can get in touch with you? Yes. Um, you can share my LinkedIn uh, uh, information and um, absolutely they can get in touch with me through there. Well, there you have it, guys. You've been listening to another edition of the Coaches Network How-To Series where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests break down some actionable how-to steps for you to reach your full potential. 
Now, I've got no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again, guys. You know, your support is massively appreciated. So thanks again for everyone that's been tuning in, and please do get in touch with us and today's guest to let us know where you're listening from, to share your thoughts, your views, and your key takeaways from today's show. Along with any suggestions for guests you'd like to see on the show and any topics you'd like to hear discussed, ultimately, guys, the show is about you guys. So let us know what you're interested in, who you're interested in listening from, to get us and get in touch. And on that note, guys, you can get in touch on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. But please do not forget to use the hashtag the Coaches Network. That was the hashtag the Coaches Network. We need as much support we can get to keep this great content coming out to you. Now lastly guys, I just want to say keep an eye out for our socials on the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with our panel. Until next time guys, take care and have a great day. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together.